Yellowbook.com is a website for looking up phone numbers. Yet for physicians, another yellow book, this one published by the CDC, is much more useful. It is a guide for giving medical advice to travelers and is updated every two years. You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Today we are discussing travel medicine. In this segment, we will be focusing on resources available in travel medicine. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. With me today is Dr. Phyllis Kozarski. Dr. Kozarski, an expert consultant in the Division of Global Migration and Quarantine at the CDC, is also a professor of medicine and infectious diseases in the Department of Medicine at Emory University. She is one of the editors of the Medical Guide for Travel Medicine, Yellow Book. Welcome, Dr. Kozarski. Thank you very much. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Yellow Book? Why is the CDC publishing the book? What's covered in the book? Health information for international travel has been known as the Yellow Book for many years. It first started to be published as a small pamphlet in the mid-1970s, and it was just available to CDC and the public at that time to tell people what was required for international travel. And gradually, it grew over time to what is now about a 600-page manual discussing infectious diseases and other health risks of travel and how to prevent them. It is also available on the CDC website. And where can listeners get the book if they want to actually purchase it? They can just go to the website and have it shipped. Is that correct? Absolutely. It is published by Elsevier, and they can go to the CDC website, which is www.cdc.gov travel, and order it from there. Or interestingly, it's available now through Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or Borders Bookstores, and online there as well. I have the sense that Yellow Book will increase in sales as a lay population actually avails themselves of this resource. I think you're absolutely correct. It has long been available or known to be available to the health community, uh, but we have written it so it is really very user-friendly not only for healthcare personnel, and that is for physicians and nurses alike, particularly those who are dabbling or practicing travel medicine, but also we encourage people in the travel industry and the public to avail themselves of the book as well because it's very easily readable. Now, in uh, checking out that website, it appeared to me that with a little bit of effort, the entire book is actually available online. Is that correct or am I misinformed? No, it, you are correct. This is in the public domain and CDC offers all of this information online as well. It is not an entirely PDF format, so you can't just click on print and have all 600 pages come out, but it is available in all of its segments on online as well. So uh, for people who want the complete reference and something that's actually easy to use, obviously they should probably actually buy the hard copy book. We would like healthcare professionals to realize how valuable this book is and encourage everybody to have it on the shelf. It's, it's actually quite reasonable for what it is. It's, I think it sells for probably about $25. And just to have this small, soft-covered book on the shelf and be able to pull it down as patients come in and ask questions is, is very 
easily manageable. In reading Yellow Book and in looking at uh, travel medicine in general, apparently there's a certificate that one can obtain in travel medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about this certification process? Yes. The International Society of Travel Medicine has been in existence since 1991. And it is a worldwide society, medical society, made up of not only physicians but nurses, some pharmacists and other healthcare providers as well from around the world. And there are several thousand now in the ISTM. The ISTM realized in order to really raise the level uh, or the standard of care and travel medicine worldwide and improve the knowledge base of people and recognize those individuals who have done so, that they decided several years ago to explore having a certificate exam. And so it explored this through a committee and then in 2003 hosted its first examination in New York where over 400 people from around the world came to take the examination. And as of now, since the exam has been administered three times, over 1,200 people, I think, have taken the exam with about over 800 certificates being granted worldwide to people in, in travel medicine. And we feel that this is, will be a growing need with time, and people will want to have the certificate if they are practicing a fair amount of travel medicine. Uh, will the certificate require retesting or recertification to maintain? At this time, I don't believe the ISTM has considered this, although I think that with time it probably will. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Phyllis Kozarski, a nationally recognized expert on travel medicine. This segment has been focusing on resources available in travel medicine. How long was this test? I'm just wondering what body of knowledge uh, was required to take this test. Are there any courses uh, in terms of taking uh, testing for a certificate in travel medicine? Can you give us a little bit more about uh, some of the formalities of test taking or the certification process? Yes. The certification exam is is administered like any other board exam, and that is 200 multiple choice questions. The ISTM partnered with a professional education and testing firm in Princeton, New Jersey, in order to go through the five years of development stage for this. The decision, although it is a worldwide exam, was to make the examination in English although for people who do not have English as a first language, they are permitted translational dictionaries. And thankfully, we have statistics that show us that people whose first language is not English do as well as the primary English speakers. There is a body of knowledge, and it took over 100 experts in travel medicine a few years to develop this body of knowledge, and then it was published in the Journal of Travel Medicine prior to the development of the exam. And then it was redone in 2006 prior to the 2007 exam that was just administered. Plans from the ISTM are now to try to administer the examination annually, not only at its biennial meetings that it has every other year in different places around the world, but also annually in 
certain regional at certain regional meetings. I think with time, the ISTM will try to consider giving it more frequently in North America, where there is a greater desire for it, as well as consider other options such as online examinations, although that will be certainly much more expensive to to do. What about the specialty that one has to be in? Does, For instance, does one have to be an internist before one can sit for the exam, or can a heart surgeon sit for the exam? What kind of residency training and background does one require to be eligible? Eligibility is determined by the individual. People who are in nursing and physicians primarily are those who take the examination, although a number of pharmacists, not only from the United States, but from other parts of the world, who are primary caregivers now with regard to travel medicine counseling and vaccinations, have sat for the exam as well. Certainly, it would be extremely difficult to check people's credentials from a school in sub-Saharan Africa and know that somebody has passed a certain number of years of training or residency or whatever. We find that people who practice travel medicine come from all disciplines. We find in the United States, although there's a preponderance of infectious disease clinicians or primary care family practice clinicians, internists, in other places it may be tropical medicine physicians or family physicians or occupational health care physicians or nurses, pediatricians, emergency physicians, surgeons. It really runs the gamut. So the ISPM is happy that all these people have a great interest in, in travel medicine. Those who take and pass the exam and who do successfully on it are primarily those individuals who have had some experience in it and take the time to study it, look at the body of knowledge, and decide they're going to make some sort of commitment to travel medicine, not necessarily make it their whole practice, but a piece of their practice, either because they enjoy it very much. We often find that people, these people are more adventuresome and, and like to travel as well, or they just find that it, it might increase their income. So to get a certificate in travel medicine, one does not necessarily have to be a physician. No, there are many nurses who have a certificate. And actually, in looking at the way people practice, in travel medicine and the fact that it's not only the administration of vaccines or shots and and pills, that counseling is a good part of travel medicine. And oftentimes nurses, at least in our culture, nurses do a whole lot better at medical ed- at education of patients than physicians do. And they may have more time too. Now I want to return to the International Society of Travel Medicine. When I saw that as a society. I was picturing of an organization that likes to hold its meetings on a new tropical beach every year. But I gather it has a little bit more serious purpose. How many members does this society have? It has a few thousand members worldwide. Probably about a third of its membership is from North America, a large number of members from Canada, Europe, Asia, some in Africa now, Australia, New Zealand. It is truly a worldwide group of people. There had been a meeting hosted by a professor of preventive medicine in Zurich, Switzerland, back in 1988. And he held this meeting in conjunction with a few people from the Centers for Disease Control and Malaria, who were researching malaria at that time. And they wondered if anybody would show up to their meeting. They distributed brochures, 
widely to internists around the world and felt, well, if there are a few handfuls there, so be it. Well, about 450 people showed up to this meeting in Zurich in March of 1988. And these people, again, ran the gamut from tropical disease folks practicing in Thailand to people, medical people from Peace Corps and and missionary groups in Africa to everywhere. And because of the popularity of that meeting, there was a decision made in 1989 to host a second meeting. I want to thank Dr. Phyllis Kozarski, a nationally recognized expert on travel medicine and one of the editors of Yellow Book, who has been our guest. We have been discussing resources in travel medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Be safe. Be informed. For comments and questions about this program, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.